look, I, you know, I wasn't particularly going to preach on Jonah, but I can. <laughs> and uh, I do believe you're hitting on something, uh, Pastor Stephen. I, I do believe that, uh, you know, if you, um, the Bible talks about how we've all lived uh, in fear and bondage to the fear of death. The crisis set us free from that. And if you're uh, like out on the motor highway and almost get in a horrible accident and all and your life flashes before you, you have this little sort of uh, encounter with death. You have this fear of death and it takes you a few minutes to get back together and whatever. But I tell you, for most uh, of the world, we have been through a prolonged period where people have actually, you know, considered death. This is what it is, and it is a fear of death that has been allowed to operate among many people. That's why I think there's a good opportunity to preach the gospel today, but it can have an effect on you, a prolonged period where people are confronting and thinking and dealing with this. It's not so good and healthy, and so I hope my message can lift us up and break us free of it. I tell you, the first thing, um, I was in South Africa, and uh, it was used to be called Swaziland Eswatini on a um, mission trip, and had been in Johannesburg and Durban and such, and uh, I flew back to Israel and landed the day before the lockdown started. And I had to fly over uh, Istanbul. And I remember seeing a lot of people in mass. I had been to Finland just a few weeks before and over Frankfurt or wherever I was flying. A lot of people in mass, a lot of Asians who already knew about the COVID flu over in Asia and China and Wuhan before a, a lot of the world did. And I saw these people in mass. And the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, someone's sitting across from me in the waiting area to get on the plane, and I just, they were in a mask, and they were, you could just tell their fear. The Holy Ghost stood up in front, uh, inside of me. He said, do not live in fear of this. Do not live in fear of it. And so I determined from the start I wasn't going to be afraid, but it's still, it was a strange time. And Jonah, oh, Jonah, he spent three days down there, a prolonged period of facing death. I mean, if he just, you know, <laughs> I've, I've cleaned a few fish in my life. <laughs> it is nasty. You come out bleached, you know, and you don't last long. And uh, those acids will kill you quick. And how he, how he survived and all, you know, it should have been a few hours or whatever. But it's three days where God put him through a dealing and he faced his own mortality. And, you know, when you read his prayer, it, it's not so much a prayer of repentance. <laughs> it's a complaint. It's a dirge. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. But he came out. The Lord had grace on him. You know, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, I give you one sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days, oh, the Son of Man 
the Son of Man. You know, he didn't fear death. For him to be able to say this and use Jonah as an example, he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Three days. And he didn't fear death, and we don't have to fear it. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about the witnesses of the resurrection this morning. Amen. And hopefully that's a message that really helps us uh, come out victorious in all ways in Christ uh, through what we've all been through, and not only in the last few years, but in our whole lives. Amen. Because without Jesus, we are in bondage to the fear of death all our lives. It sticks to you. <laughs> like super glue, it's there, and you face it. But with, with Christ, oh, hallelujah, where, oh, death, where is your sting? Amen. This is a serious message. Hallelujah. Every person on earth has been a sinner. You know how I know? Everyone's sinned. There's, there's no, hell is full of people who think they're good. There's more people in hell who think they're good and don't deserve any punishment or whatever. Why? They, everyone has sinned. You know how I know? They've all died. They are subject to the law of sin and death. But Christ has set us free from it. Hallelujah. Even though I'm a sinner, I will rise again. And the proof is the resurrection of Jesus and how we know, because there were witnesses. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we'll start at verse uh, 34. We'll start at 34. And this is uh, Peter, uh, who in a vision, you know, realized it was kosher to go and preach to the Gentiles. He was encouraged to do it, and all of a sudden someone comes from this guy, Cornelius, who was a God-fearing man, and says, bring, bring one of those disciples of Jesus here. I want to hear their message. So this is the first preaching of the gospel specifically to Gentiles. This is a good message. Hallelujah. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Even the Gentiles, uh, the, the message of the gospel is for them as well. But in every nation, whoever fears him, let's read that, in Britain, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Hallelujah. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him and we are witnesses of all. All these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree, witnesses of murder, witnesses of murder. <clears throat> him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly 
not to all people. Why didn't Jesus just hang around and show himself to everyone? And he says, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead, witnesses of the resurrection. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. And I'll just take one more verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have Jesus, you don't have to fear death because you believe in a life-giving spirit. Amen. Not just the spirit. There's all kinds of spirits. There's only one who gives eternal life. Judge of all. Hallelujah. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But let's talk about this word witness. Witnesses. It's all through the scriptures. We're now in this period. Uh, we just celebrated Passover in Jerusalem. And on the Day after the uh, feast, uh, the, the Passover meal, you have a first fruits offering and you start the counting of the Omer. The Passover is an eight day festival. Uh, yesterday they finished with another full Shabbat, or, or two days ago on Friday, and then Shabbat, regular Shabbat on Saturday. But uh, the spring holidays are tied together, Passover and Pentecost or Shavuot by the counting of the Omer, 50 days between. And uh, Jesus, after he was buried, he died on Passover, was buried. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. On the day of first fruits, he arose. Hallelujah. And now we're in this uh, counting of the Omer until the church was born in fire on the day of Pentecost. And of those 50 days, Jesus hung around for about 40 days. And he appeared, not to all people, but to select people who had been chosen by God to be witnesses of his death and resurrection. So what Peter's preaching. And Paul preaches the same thing in his first sermon in Acts 15 or 17 in Athens where he, he says that God has appointed Jesus to be judge of all men, not just the Jews, all Gentiles. Repent now. It's time. Why? Because how do we know he's judge of all? Because he rose him from the dead. He cited the resurrection as proof that even Gentiles now are responsible for, before God for our lives and morally accountable of what we'll do with Jesus because he's judge of all men, proven by the resurrection of the dead. And how do we know this? Well, there were witnesses. How do we believe them? You know, this, this uh, whole area of, of being a witness, uh, I, I know uh, Mike... Uh, 
spent many years in police work, and I bet you had some, uh, some good, solid witnesses and some shaky ones, too. Huh? <laughs> some of the shaky ones were police. <laughs> yeah. Look, you can, you can go on YouTube, and, and there's all sorts of stories on there of people who swore, they swore, they swore they saw this, and people put away for years because they thought he had on a blue shirt and this and this, and somehow later it's proof he had on a white shirt and it wasn't him, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was going to do, I was going to put up this uh, gorilla test. Everyone, anyone ever watched the gorilla test on, on YouTube? Yeah? Yeah, I got a few. You have to go home and look at it, the gorilla test. Um, I, don't, I think you, if you go to YouTube and, and, pl and plug in Gorilla Test, you'll see it, where they've got uh, six people on, on a stage. They've got two basketballs, and uh, three are in white shirts, three are in black shirts, and you're supposed to count the number of times the people in the white T-shirts throw the ball to each other, and you get so focused on it that you don't notice right in the middle of it, uh, a gorilla comes right in the middle of the crowd. They're weaving around and throwing the ball, and you're watching the whites throw the ball and trying to block, block out the people in black shirts, and all of a sudden this guy in a gorilla suit, once you replay it and realize what's going on, he's standing there waving at you, and you don't even see him. You don't even see him. I was a witness once. I'm an attorney. I've... Uh, been in court a few times. I've had to testify in civil cases, but I had to testify in a criminal case one time because I was an eyewitness of a horrible accident, and I knew the people who committed the horrible accident and the people who died in it. And it was between Christmas and New Year, and I had to go testify and even on the stand under oath, I, to this day, I could not place who was behind the wheel of the car that hit the other car and, and killed this young guy in the Air Force who I grew up with in Sunday school in our little church because it's happening so fast. It was on a bridge. It was at night. It was stormy. It was a gale. And, uh, and the bridge buckled, and I stopped. I had my little brother and a friend. I had had him with there was a new roller skate rink in the area and took him roller skating. And we're heading home around 11 at night, and all of a sudden this car comes on the other end of the bridge with its bright lights on right down the middle of the bridge, and the car in front of us starts slowing down and trying to get out of the way, and wham, right in front. And I just throw it in park. I say, y'all stay here, and I go. And I look in the one, I say, are y'all okay? Yes. And I go to the other car, and they're banged up. They were the innocent ones. And the mother and father in the front are bleeding. He's got a broken leg and all the son in the back, around 20 years old, a young Air Force pilot. They were very proud of him, dead. I, I listened to the air escape from his lungs. And there was a young girl, she... she, she uh, she basically admitted she was driving. If they'd asked me on the stand who was behind the wheel, you know, we, we have limited senses. 
and especially when you're in such, uh, you know, a heightened state of, you know, it's, it was overwhelming what I was seeing. And you've had it. A lot of people just fess up. I did it, whatever. This, she was only 16. She was driving because the guy in the middle was around 28. He had the drugs and take him out drinking. You know, a 16-year-old taking out drinking. And he had already lost his license. So he had her driving and got her drunk. And, ah, oh, it's a horrible story. And she fessed up to it. So they didn't even ask me. But, you know, being a witness to something, uh, you can go on YouTube and find all sorts of videos and stories and TED Talks and whatever about how, uh, you know, our senses betray us. You, you watch those people throwing the balls and you never see the gorilla. But you swear that they, th they threw that ball 16 times, you know. <laughs> In Jewish culture, I think today, you know, being a witness to something, we, we have a different culture today. In Jewish culture, in the first century, to be a witness to something, first of all, you have the Ten Commandments, one of which says, thou shalt not bear false witness. So whether you like it or not, you're a witness and you have to be a witness to the truth. And if you lie, you have broken one of the commandments. And that's not nice in their culture. Today, you know, it comes even from the top. Our governments are lying. Don't get me started. <laughs> lying through the teeth. We've lost it. I remember uh, encountering um, the Messiah. You've been there. You've climbed Kilimanjaro and met them Maasai. I met them. I, and uh, the young Maasai, they have a lot of respect for their elders. It's very pa patriarchal, the elders, the fathers. And they say within their culture, the, there is no such thing as a lie, that all they know is truth. And they have to tell the truth. And there's no, I, I don't, you know... Is, and they're even a little white lie, but it's so strong in their culture, and it's strong in the Jewish culture of the first century of Jesus to always tell the truth and to never bear false witness on anything. But there's something even added in Jewish law and culture because the law of Moses also has the law of witnesses. And this says, you know, we think it's kind of draconian or antiquated or whatever, that if you're caught in, a, caught in adultery, uh, you, you, you get stoned to death. We say, we don't do that today. And how, you know, what kind of God is that that would do it? Well, you know, under their law, you had to have at least two witnesses two or more witnesses to establish the adultery. In other words, you, you had to be doing it openly and defiantly, like the guy who grabbed the, was it the Moabite woman and went right to the middle of the camp, and Phineas, Pinhas, drove the spear through both of them. 
because he was so defiant about it. In his name, the psalm says he has a righteous name forever. So built into the law of Moses given to the Jewish people is this, you know, this notion that to convict someone of stealing or whatever, you got to have good witnesses and you got to have at least two. Wouldn't it be nice to have two witnesses for everything you had to deal with? Two good ones. And on top of that, anyone who came in to witness the trial would be before the Sanhedrin, the Council of Seventy. Anyone who came in as a witness saying, I swear I saw them. This is the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, you know. But, uh, you know, everyone went away because they had their own sins or whatever. But who saw them? Who saw them? Where are the witnesses? And any witness that came forward to testify before the Sanhedrin, if something flaky started showing up in their testimony, they got questioned. They were subjected to questions. And if it was found out that they were bearing false witness, then they were subject to the punishment of the crime that they were accusing someone of. If you accuse someone of adultery falsely, it was you that got stoned. So this adds a whole new layer to our understanding of what all through this period between the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension and the birth of the church, you see it over and over and over. You shall be my witnesses. Peter says, he didn't show himself to everyone, but to people chosen beforehand by God to be witnesses. What's he talking about? When the Jesus ascended, they went back and met, and they realized, look, we're missing one. Because of Judas, there's only 11 of us, and we got to find number 12. What's this about? Why do you got to keep 12 disciples? And they chose between a guy uh, surnamed Justice and Matthias, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was sworn in as one of the uh, 12 apostles. And it says there that to qualify to be a replacement of Judas, to be on the, uh, the equivalent of the other 11 disciples, they had to be witnesses of all that Jesus spoke and ministered and did and his death and his burial and his resurrection from the time of his baptism with John. They had to see it all. And I believe they were the 12 chosen to go before the Sanhedrin if necessary at risk of their own lives because they say it over and over again. Men of Jerusalem and Judea in Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, you killed the prince of life and we are witnesses. We witnessed murder. 
And what's the penalty? You die. If they're false witnesses, they die. They had that fear. Got to tell the truth. This was part of their culture. And they were the ones chosen to put their necks on the line for the whole little body of Christ at that time to go even before the Sanhedrin and swear under oath, you killed the Prince of Life. You killed an innocent man. But we also saw him rise from the dead. Therefore, it's not to condemn you and say you deserve death. It's to say repent. It wasn't for condemnation. It was for conviction. Now repent and call on his name for forgiveness of sin. That is what it meant for those 12 to be these select witnesses. Gives a whole new meaning when we, you shall be my witness. I tell you, there's things I've seen in my life. It's all by faith. But I'll stand here and swear by oath. God healed my mother. God delivered this one. He healed that one. He saved this one from drug addiction and what he did in my life, I swear. How many have had things God's done in your life <laughs> that you can stand and swear your life on the line, your own risk? I've seen God do things in my life. Hallelujah. I'm a witness today. That's what it meant to be a way. You shall buy my witnesses in Jerusalem before the Sanhedrin, wherever you go before the crowds, Jerusalem, Judea. Peter stands in front of Cornelius says, I'm a witness. And Cornelius knew something about Jewish culture, and he trusted it and gave his life to Jesus. These men were not lying. And it is a testimony that resonates throughout the world today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe the report. It, <clears throat> it is a, you know... The, his followers expected when they saw the resurrected Jesus and all, you know, they say, they're saying, it is, uh, is it now that you're going to set up your kingdom? You're, you know, he's the self-evident, glorified Messiah, the resurrected Jesus that they're seeing. And he appears to Mary Magdalene and the, the other Mary and Salome and whatever uh, on the morning of the resurrection and uh, he appears to the two men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, you know, he wants some people to see him. And, you know, it's shocking. The last time they saw him, he was bruised and battered and mangled beyond recognition to where we, we, we turned our face from him. We couldn't stand to look at him. And now they see the risen Jesus and he shows himself to the, to the eleven which became 12, and he shows himself uh, to Peter on the Sea of Galilee, and he shows himself to the 70, and he shows himself to around 500 before his resurrection. Still a select group. He didn't show them to everyone, but he showed them to enough people who were willing to testify. They went and changed the world. They saw that incredible new body 
and they were promised one themselves, and they were willing to risk their lives and drop everything and go timid, timid people who just a few days before had scattered, had scattered and ran when he got arrested. Wow, that... And I think there was such an incredible purpose in, in, in God and Jesus showing him them this new body, this glorified body, this self-evident, the self-evident Messiah that you don't have to guess anymore. He could, have, he could have revealed himself to all of Israel, and the whole thing was, why did he show some, why has he waited all this time, all sitting in heaven for for 2,000 years, and let me tell you, that battery is charged. He's glorified, brighter than the sun. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And in that time, he has changed many, many lives among Gentiles all over the world. But there's something about this Jesus and his resurrection. It says in Corinthians that Adam... When God breathed life into him, he became a living soul. It says this in, in Genesis. And Paul says in Corinthians, when Christ rose from the dead, he is a life-giving spirit. You and I have this incredible ability to give life. You don't have a son that you just sent off to school. You got a couple. I've seen they're lively. <laughs> Lewis is lively. You can give life <laughs> and abundantly, but you can give life. Only Jesus can give eternal life. And he is the judge of all men. Why? Because he decides who he's going to share it with. When God formed Adam out of the clay and went and breathed the breath of life into him, what did Adam do to deserve it? Nothing. We're learning a little Hebrew this morning. Shumdavar. Everybody say Shumdavar. Nothing. <laughs> Total grace of God. If you and I stand before the Lord in that resurrected body with his life, his eternal life in us, it is not because we deserved it. Yes, we've made a decision, but God chose us before we chose him. And it is the same thing if he breathes that eternal life into us and chooses to share his eternal life with us. It's because we don't deserve it. It's to his glory. But for this, he went to the cross for the joy set before him of your life and my life. Hallelujah. 
And even though we are eternal beings, it's not like we're going to be able to go off to our own little corner of the universe and do what we want. If you and I live forever, it's because Jesus shares his life-giving spirit with us. And he can do it today in our lives. Breathe life that chases the fear of death John 5, 24, this is the words of Jesus. This is before it all happens. John 5, verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. I don't know. We, I'm already an eternal being. I'm going to fall asleep in Christ one day should he tarry, but, but I'm already an eternal being. I should live like it. Amen? And he's already sharing that eternal life with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus said this long before he raised Lazarus from the dead and said, I am the resurrection and life. He already knew it. The Father has given it into the hands of Jesus to decide who he will share his eternal life with. And when it happens it's just like you're Adam in, in this earthly body and he breathes in you and hallelujah. We're going to wake up. It says, it says we're going to hear his voice. If, the, if you're someone who's fallen asleep in Christ, you're going to hear his voice. It's good to know you can hear his voice now because that says, well, hopefully you'll hear it then. But he's very assured about it. The, the time's coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. He's given authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. A lot of Christians who, God, you know, they get a heart for Israel, they start meeting Jewish people, they start learning Jewish culture, the Hebraic roots of our faith, they start you know, understanding a little more about the law of Moses, and next thing you know, they're keeping Shabbat. I, I, I've come to appreciate Shabbat and all sorts of Jewish culture and traditions in the law, but it doesn't add, uh, being obedient to it doesn't add one ounce of righteousness to me. It's good to honor it, but it, don't think it makes you a better Christian. Obedience to the law of Moses is not going to raise you from the dead. Some Eastern mantra will not raise you from the dead. You need a life 
giving spirit. Muhammad's in his grave. He's not going to raise you from the dead. Your priest or your pastor, they might help get you there. But you need a life-giving spirit. And I can't give you any hope in anyone other than Jesus. He's the author of life. And he's a life-giving spirit. The grave couldn't hold him. He died. But it couldn't hold him because he was without sin. The first one to defy the law of sin and death. And he rose from the dead, the captain of our salvation, the first fruit of the resurrection. He tasted death for every man. He's already been there. He's been in the belly of that whale. He knew he was going there beforehand. He had no fear. And I just want to encourage us today. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the Holy Spirit that operates in our lives and quickens us today. And I'm, uh, I'm just declaring and decreeing over this congregation that there will be no more, not for one more minute, any lasting impact of this corona, this fear of death that came with corona. Let's shout it away in the name of Jesus. We never needed to live under it. The whole world was impacted, but we serve a risen Savior, and we have no fear of death. I lost friends to Corona, but I, I'm not afraid of it, and I'm not, I, I'm, I don't fear death. I might have, you know... <laughs> Trust your driving. <laughs> We're not going to have any accidents tomorrow, but you know, maybe your life flashes before you on the way to the airport tomorrow or something. But <laughs> you know, that just happens. But it has it, it you 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 walk, you're sealed from it. Your hope is sure. Sure, we're mortal right now. We're like Adam. Oh, but we serve the only one. The judge and the prince of life. You killed the prince of life, but he rose from the dead. And we are witnesses. I've seen enough things in my life to swear before you today, he ever liveth. Amen. How many? Let's stand up. How many can declare that? How many can declare that in your life? Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your resurrection power that even operates and quickens in us today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for those bold, courageous witnesses in Scripture who were selected by you to bear witness even at their own risk that you had died, but you rose from the dead. Lord, we stand in their testimony and their legacy today, and we say we are witnesses of the resurrection power. Lord, we felt it ourselves. The old man died at the cross. Oh, and rose again. We, uh, we laid that old man in burial in water baptism and rose to newness of life in Christ. And Lord, we just declare over this congregation and people fresh 
life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And no fear of death, no lingering effect of all the lockdowns and the people contemplating their own mortality or maybe how they're going to pay their bills or anything like that, Lord. We want fresh life operating in this body, Lord, because there is an opportunity here like never before that, oh, so many around us who, who live in bondage to the fear of death need deliverance by the preaching of the gospel. Lord, prepare these people now to reach out to them, operating in life and love and the power of your resurrected spirit. Hallelujah. The spirit of resurrection that raised Christ from the dead. Let it be operating in us today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. We should have a song here. I like that last one that you did. Come on up. I like that last song that you, you did. Uh, if if y'all can go back to that. It was very good. Let's worship the Lord. Worship the Lord who gives us life even today. This isn't so, you know, it's a good message for pie in the sky for our eternal life, but it, it has to have an impact today in us to quicken us and uh empower us to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.